we've started a new series titled True Story. We've invited you to tell us about your journey with God. And I am amazed at how many people have responded to that invitation. In fact, there are more testimonies than Sundays we made available for this series. And we're going to film them all. Yeah, is that clappable? We're going to film them all because some may be YouTube stories to be posted on social media or shorts or intros to future messages, or they will form part of the introduction to the messages between now and the 3rd of December. On the 3rd of December, in the evening service, this service, we're going to transform this venue into a Christmas, I don't know, wonderland. What is the right word? Spectacular. I don't know what to say. And there will be a Christmas concert ministry experience that you will want to come for. So come for that. And I want to continue to extend an invitation that if you would like to share something of a miracle of a story of a discovery about God and your journey with God in your personal life, so it's personal, to please email us and let us know and we, we will take you up on that. And I had a few more this morning. We had an amazing time this morning and I'm, I'm confident that God's going to talk to us tonight also uh, through true story. So the person we're uh, starting our series on is sitting over there, am I right? Jess Gallant, everybody. So if you don't know Jess, you're about to find out a little about who he is. Uh, Jess is uh, responsible for the miracle uh, of trying to keep the hair in my head. Uh, uh, that is, <laughs> that is the, the, the miracle on, on my life from him, but actually uh, a, a phenomenal uh, uh, guy and um, uh, a journey with God that goes through ups and downs and lands him on his feet. And I'm incredibly proud that he's been willing to step out in this way. I want to give you the same heads up that I, de- I did to the morning service. Um, Jess has quite a few tattoos. So just process that right now. Just, just realize that the guy you're going to see on the screen has tattoos. And just say to yourself, breathe, I'm going to be okay with that. Can we have an amen? And maybe at the end of the evening, I will show you my tattoo. So I thought... If you know me, you know that's not true. I am too scared. I am so scared of that tattoo thing. Um, But the way this is going to play out is for you to please uh, watch a seven-minute testimony, true story. And then uh, this morning I did a message titled God First, which comes out really clearly in this testimony. But tonight... I want to, you to take note of the, the different people that God sends along Jess's path or, or crosses paths with him that impacted uh, his journey. And I want to talk to you about five friends all of us should try to have in our lives from, the, from a biblical perspective. So that'll be the conversation. So if you want to make notes, you're welcome to do that. But here is a true story, Jess Gallant, everybody. Watch the screen. I never knew that it would take me places that I, I didn't even imagine myself in. I was thinking, when you think when you think Dubai, you obviously think holiday, but you 
would never think that your actual job would take you to Dubai. It's, it's, been, it's been a major big role in my life and for others mm. because I always want to create a safe space, you know. It's easy to go to Woolworths and not feel like you're a part of Woolworths, but you, when you come to stay faded, you feel like you're a part of it, you're a part of this whole family. Um, we just switch up the music when you come there. Not the best background, but I appreciate going through all of that because I would not be in the person I am today. A couple of mistakes along the way? No, definitely a couple of mistakes. Um, whole different friend groups, experiencing different kinds of, you know, what young kids do um, mm. out of high school, clubbing, um, mm. doing all, all sorts of wrong things. I'm gonna yeah. say it's wrong, but um, during, but definitely during that, I knew that while I was changing friend groups, I always knew that I'm not supposed to be there because um, I knew what was right and wrong. Yeah. Um, and coming from a single mom, having us go to church every Sunday, um, as Catholics, we were not meant to miss out on a Sunday or Sunday school. I didn't know you were Catholic. Yeah, before. yeah, no, definitely. It was hectic. I think it was, it was the only thing that kept myself, my sister and my mom very tight. Um, knowing that respect there of do what you wanna, but make sure you are there at church on a Sunday, okay. you know? Um, and I feel like that is the best thing my mom's ever done for me, was introduce me to God. Um, because even my life after high school, um, I, I went my own path. I would say my own path because um, I, I started going less to church because I felt like in a Catholic church, things are like, it's, it's very routine. Yeah. So like, you, you, as, you young, you're not getting the word, you're not feeling the, you're not feeling the warmth. And especially when I started tattooing myself, like, I would sit and literally, you know when you can feel someone staring at you? <laughs> because then you're greeting this person, but another three people are looking at you from this side. So I definitely started feeling uncomfortable. And I told my mom, because um, back when I was a dancer, I was addressed outside of church, right after church. And I was asked like, why are you, so why are you guys dressed like this? So then I went like okay. with three friends. Three friends slept over that weekend. And all I told them, guys, we can chill, we, we can do whatever, but if you're gonna sleep over at my place, do know that Sunday's off at church, and let's just go to make my mom happy. If you don't go to church, you will get it. This isn't gonna work. Yeah, um, yeah. but like we were all like addressed after church, told us you are not allowed to come to church looking like this. And obviously, you know, it's the skinny jeans, it's the long sweaters, or, you know, just being us. Um, but yeah, mm. and it was very sad. Um, my mom really felt it because like she was walking with us. It's like, ah, we did what we And she was happy to have you guys. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, yeah, she's, she's always like bright smile if you're going to church. Hair, the hair industry has been taking me different places and I've been blessed way too many times. I would say way too many times because I took advantage of a lot of times of that. Yeah. Um, and every time I would go away, with hair or win competitions. Like, I would feel great about myself, but there was this, um, I felt empty. Even yeah. like after being announced, being on TV, 
I always felt like this emptiness in myself. Um, and I literally, I tried balancing my life out like party, work, church, but like, Sunday. yeah, they, you know, and Sundays, yeah, but like, I had to keep telling myself like, I can't, like, I can't balance my life out like that. Um, God, like God should be first, you know? And as soon as I started making God first, things fell away by itself. I didn't need to force myself to be like, okay, one day you are stopping, let's stop this, you know? I, it gradually fell away by itself. Um, from friends to people just talking bad about me. And when I found out that I've got a kiddo on the way, um, that is when I realized like, I don't want him coming into this earth knowing that he's got only 10% of me. Yeah. You know, and I can't give my son 10% and God 10% and the rest of the 80%. It's me trying to figure out what I want to do for myself. Good. You know, um, it hasn't been an easy road. It's still not an easy road. Um, and I'm pushing. So much, there's so much good things that happened to me after I started putting God first. I would say he's blessed me with a lot. Um, he's blessed me with a lot, but like, I feel like he wanted to show me more, yeah. but he wouldn't give it to me yet till I give myself fully to him. Yeah. So I was going through this really bad time. Um, after my kid was born, like I was going through this really dark moment. Um, I was losing a lot. Um, I was losing a lot. Fa I would say family, friends, fiance, um, and I just started losing, but at a rapid pace. And Kirsten, Kirsten was just a normal client to me. And he, he was the one, like, I visited Father's house several times mm -hmm. before. Um, but like, like I said, I was trying to balance my life out. But like, he just invited me. And with that invite, I feel like my life changed like this. Yeah. And I started joining men's group. Um, and also changed my life a lot because um, I can't only do, a Sunday is never enough. Yeah. Let me rather say that. Sunday is never enough. You need that pickup during the weekend. For me, that pickup was men's grill group Thursday. The guys are always forcing me to pray. I'm shy, man. Um, it's always because I never knew, I never know what to say, but like now things are like becoming so easy because this is what I'm choosing. So words flow when you are praying because it comes from the heart. Um, I confidently post on a Sunday showing others that this is where it's at. This is where I start my week. My week starts on a Sunday because this is what the, I said, this is my pace I set out for the, for the rest of the week. Yeah, that's very cool. Very, very cool. Thank you, Cameron. Cameron is the Grow Group leader yeah. of the very same Grow Group. Uh, thank you very much. Do you want to stand and just say, I don't know, do a presidential wave there, uh, Jess? This is Johnny Deesif. Now, if you guys don't know, uh, uh, Jess is also responsible, maybe not tonight, but in general, for my own dress code. And um, 
when Grow Group, this was formed at my home, but when the, their Grow Group was at my home, one of the things Jess would do is finish up uh, with, with men's group, and then while I'm chatting to people, he'd go into my wardrobe, and then you'd match like shirts with pants and and uh, uh, sneakers or whatever, and then he'd hang them accordingly, and then you'd also take a photo and send it to me and say, wear it like this, please. So... So if, if you've ever, if it has ever crossed your mind on a certain Sunday, hey, he's looking cool today. <laughs> That's how it happened. That's how, if it just crossed your mind. Also, I want to say, Jess, that um, since you and I both posted about True Story, I have been followed on Instagram by like 60 of the coolest people in South Africa. All just, all just hit me up on Instagram. I am their pastor now. So thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I just went and looked at the profiles. So I'm like, okay, okay. There's a country full of cool people. Um, I, I hope you got something useful out of that. There's just so much in it that um, I, I admire the decision-making process and the willingness to pursue God irrespective of one's background, and particularly something that I commented on this morning before I jump into tonight's message is the idea that if you didn't feel the warmth of God in one kind of style of church, don't drop God. Just find another... There's a seat in a house of the Lord somewhere prepared for you. Can you say Amen. And I, I really admire that, like, what's, what's healthy and right for my soul is what I'm going to pursue, and I, I really admire that. So, uh, I wanted to talk to you, I, I guess, I, mean, I don't know if cash is here, actually. I, I was scanning earlier cash. Don't worry, I'll disciple him later. Um, uh, 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 Kirsten is cash. Sorry, did, did we say that on the, yeah. Um, but I do want to talk to you about the role, um, having the right people. You know, we very often hear about avoiding the wrong kinds of people in our lives. Bad company corrupts good morals. So there's good information out there. Watch out who you bring close to you. But perhaps it's also wise to have some time, to take some time to talk about who you should look for and deliberately draw close. The people you should have in your life during your lifetime. And why that's important, how meaningful that can be. You know, that the only time, actually twice, the only two categories of time, time in Scripture, when Jesus prayed and fasted all night, only twice. The one was to choose his 12 closest friends. He fasted all night. And the other was the night before he was crucified. That's the level of intensity of choosing who you're going to have in your world and building five, at least five crucial relationships for your lifetime and how they'll provide you with the, the buoyancy and the, and the strength, the support uh, that I think God wants for us in our lives. And hopefully as a departure point, we should start out with the idea that uh, we're not called to live our lives uh, selfishly or alone, and secondly, that just a wife or just a husband is not enough in your life to be everything that you need. Now, I know you're young, you're thinking, you don't know my babe. I know, you're thinking, 
she's everything I ever wanted and everything I ever need, and or he's everything I ever wanted, and I don't need anything else, just put the two of us on an island somewhere, and we're going to be enough, you will kill each other in a month. I'm just telling you that it isn't like that. It is unreasonable to expect completeness to be in one person unless that one person is Jesus Christ. Like, just be wise about that. Because here's what happens. If you don't figure that out, then you turn your your wife into your best friend, which is can sometimes be unreasonable, or your buddy, which can be unreasonable, or your counsellor, or your therapist, or your something else, because you didn't let God put people in your life that will complete the picture of what God needs to shape in you. Can you say amen to that? I think that's really important. So, quick funny story, and then we're going to go into these five um, five crucial relationships, I think, from Scripture, every person should have. Why five? I looked for six, couldn't find it, but I know there's probably 12, because Jesus told, chose 12. So, five's random, Okay. But at least five. Let, let's word it that way. Um, so I, um, I don't like heights. I'm going to be honest. I don't like heights. Um, ladders. Okay, so let me backtrack. So I've got a grapevine growing on a thingy. All Greeks do it. It's like a Greek thing. We grow grapevine on a thing. And it's on the top floor of my, of my home. It's on a, my home's on a mountain, so that particular uh, uh, balcony is nine meters from the ground. Not because I have like an expensive house, it's just like four and a half meters of mountain. And I am too, so I get a ladder to try and clamp the vine on the, on the cable so it doesn't go all over the place. And the closer to the edge I get, the more nervous I get. So I found a friend and I said, would you come and help me? Come for coffee actually, is what I said. Come for coffee. Just come hang out. I miss you. I was in Cyprus. It'd be cool to hang out. While you're here, <laughs> would you mind helping me with this grapevine? All I need you to do is get up the ladder. I am not getting... Like, if you thought he was going to hold the ladder, no. Get up the ladder and just use a couple of cable ties and just tie the thing. I'm going to have grapes at the end of this year, by the way, and in January I might even have one. So this story will be relevant to you on different levels as the seasons go by. I don't know. I'll try. I don't know why I said that. And so he gets up the ladder and he's like, I'm not getting up this ladder. I said, are you also afraid of hearts? How childish of us. He's like, I'm not afraid of hearts. This is the worst ladder I have ever seen in my life. Now, let me explain to you how bad this ladder is. It's so bad. It used to be at Father's house. And they won't use it here. So I took the broken ladder to my house. One leg is shorter than the other three legs. And you know that middle thing that sort of clamps it into position? The minute it clamps it in position, it elbows out. <laughs> like this. Like this. I reckon it should be okay. And he's like... Your problem isn't a fear of heights. Your problem is the ladder you're climbing on to get higher is broken. So you've developed a fear about something that should be normal because the system you're using is so fragile that it can't carry any weight. 
And then I looked at the other ladders. I've got three broken ladders all from Father's house at some stage in Father's house love. I've got one of those where you push it further and further, but only one half of the thing clamps. I thought that'll be okay. It's not. Now I've got that other one that became famous because they tested it on live TV one day. It's like clicks into position into different shapes. And they te- it became famous on live TV once because they clicked it into like a U shape or an N shape, and the guy climbed on it, and he was busy saying, this ladder is indestructible, and on live TV, he fell. You can go Google it and find it, he fell. All the ladders I have at my house are bad ladders. I got rid of them. I went to Builder's Warehouse. I looked for a ladder. You um, know, it's, ex- it's, ex- it's, ex- it's expensive, eh? But I realized, okay, get a ladder that's going to survive. So I've identified which ladder, but next month, going overseas was, it's going to cost me 3,000 Rand to get a ladder that you can go up this way and that way in case I need a friend. And it's solid. And I just wonder how much of our anxiety, fear, social dysfunction, cycle, whatever, is as a result of putting bad systems in place, broken infrastructure, broken tools, broken steps. And as a result of those broken steps, you think that whole thing doesn't work. You think relationships don't work or serving God doesn't work or reading the Bible doesn't work because you just used bad steps. And I wonder if perhaps if we got the steps right, the whole thing would be so much more fruitful. I'm even willing to post about these ladders. They're in a huge pile at my house, three different ones, just as evidence. Follow me on Instagram. It's so cheesy. Follow me on Instagram and I'll post it on stories because it's definitely not worth putting on uh, Facebook. So uh, here we go. Let's talk about going further through five crucial relationships. Luke chapter 10, verse 1 says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two, ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. You know, the, the, the most powerful, uh, yes, I, I do want to read that. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. You know, that scripture, that particular part, the last part, verse 3, wasn't intended to scare us that there's a world full of wolves. The idea is to say, go together with someone because when you do life with the right kinds of people, even the wolves are not a problem for you. But when you're alone or on your own, there's a difference, right? When you're alone or on your own, you're open to being the victim of wolves. And wolves in the biblical language are things that stalk you until you are weak to catch you. That's the biblical language of wolves. Uh, There's a verse in Genesis that says that sin is like a wolf that crouches at the door waiting to pounce upon you. It's got this feeling of a stalker, that it's something watching you for a weak moment, and in the weak moment it catches you. But if you have the right people in your life, you don't have to fear the wolves, right? Can you say amen to that? You don't have to fear uh, the, the wolves. Um, and so I want to talk to you about five, uh, five kinds of people we all need. Now, the first one sounds very charismatic. It's just, it rhymes with the other four. So uh, let's um, just smile at it. But the first one is a catcher. Now, when I say charismatic, when I grew up in church, um, we used to come forward for prayers. And then if you were like in an anointed service and the pastor transferred a lot of 
power onto your life, you might fall. And if you fall, you needed a catcher. And if you didn't get a catcher, then you fell hard on the ground. And if you could get up, it was proof that it was God. How many of you, how many of you have been in a service like that? You were like, how many of you? Oh, you've got a few of you. And how many of you, be honest, you only fell when you looked behind you to see how safe the net was. How many of you knew? Now, I volunteered in several churches to be a catcher, and they said no, because I was smaller than the people that I was trying to catch. But I don't mean it in that way. I mean it in the following way. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 says, two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if, the, if they fall, if the one falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to him is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. This is not a marriage scripture. There's a scripture a bit later about marriage that says two is better than one concerning marriage because they keep each other warm and so forth. But this passage of scripture is about companionship. And the importance of having somebody who, you know, it's, it's, it's popular to say when somebody's talking to you, to say, I got you. I got you. That means I process, perceive, and understand what you're saying. I'm on the same page as you. You need a I got you kind of person in life, and let's call them the catcher. Somebody who knows you well enough to, well enough to know when the look in your face is already telling them you're falling. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. I hope that wasn't an accidental fall there. I heard something taking place. Oh, is that just a child moving a chair? In a charismatic service, that would have been a move of the Spirit right there. Um, so you need somebody who can... Ca- there's a tone in your voice. There's a word you use. There's an expression on your face that a companion who knows you well will know you've taken a turn. And they need to... They need to invite you to a cup of coffee or a conversation or offer a prayer, but they know you well enough to look past your professionalism and know how your heart beats and be able to be there for you and you for them. You have to have a catcher in your life, somebody who knows you well. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you have someone like that or know someone like that? I want to say hello to everybody joining the 6 o'clock service right now. It's awesome to have you. No matter what time you come to church, I like you in church. Hello, guys. Now, don't, don't feel bad, guys. There's just four more people who just walked in right now. And they, you guys are 100% early for the 6 o'clock service. But... Uh, it's okay. We'll offer you coffee afterwards. I'm, I'm only saying it because I know you guys. So, um, How many of you have somebody in your life who knows how to do that? Or you know people in your life that you can do that for? How many, how many of you know? I've certainly got some people. Apparently, even in my walk, the way I walk changes depending on where I'm at in my headspace. From a fast-paced walk to a different kind of walk, you need people who can catch you in your life like that. Can you say amen to that? One of your journeys in life, if you think the whole journey of life is just to find someone who will eventually say yes when you propose, that that's the sum, <laughs> someone just said amen, that that's the sum total of life's pursuits, it's, you're going to be disappointed. It's going to be wonderful, but it's, it's not going to be enough. The completion of life is to be in a crew. It's to be in a crew. And to offer your part in a crew. And one of the worst mistakes couples make in the modern era is they get married and then they disappear from society for three years. Stop doing that. Can I, I know I'm single and I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say this because so is Jesus. 
So don't be writing off single people. You just sang a whole bunch of songs to one. Let me just say, people say to me, well, you know, the Bible says when you just got married, you have to take a year off. There's like a verse. There is a verse. There is. There's a verse in the Bible that says you should take a year off when you get married. From war. (laughs) From war. Like, I don't know how to process that. Like, I don't know. Like, they were killing each other, having tribal fights, and then the, the people of God said, listen, you just got married. Go go have a family and have kids, please, because if you're all on the battlefield, where are the kids going to come from? From war. To have babies. You ain't doing either of those. You're just taking a year off church. Like, I'm just taking a year off church. I know sometimes church can be a war zone. I get it. But like, don't be deceived. You need somebody to catch you. You need somebody who knows you, who you're vulnerable enough around to know you well enough to say, something's not right there. Come on. Hey? Can you say amen? Number two, you need an encourager. You need an encourager. Gosh, those are such valuable people. People who think well of you, believe in what you're doing, and will say it. Not just, not just from a distance, but will say it, encourages. There's a special gift of those in the Bible. They're enlisted in the Bible. There's one in particular, Barnabas, who was this great encourager. I know a few encouragers in my life. Some are in this room right now, whose invaluable support Uncle Brian was not here this morning. I noticed him, he's a retired pastor who comes to the morning service. I walked over to his family and said, where's Uncle Brian? I don't want to preach without Uncle Brian here. They're like, oh, he's preaching in Port Alfred. Sorry for you. Mark's a great encourager. On Monday mornings or Sunday nights, I get an SMS from Mark. Pastor Mark. Pastor Mark? I get an SMS. I know you've just had a full Sunday and I know you just poured out your everything and I just want you to know you're making a difference and it's impactful and I am praying that you will have an amazing Monday because Mondays are like hangover days for pastors, just so you know. We literally call it a preacher's hangover because you're tired, you've had an overwhelming amount of conversations on Sunday, but also it's seven days before you will see your people again, so you're like super depressed about that, like it's mixed feelings, like happy because there were no, not enough seats in the morning, sad because it's six more days, wish you had said it this way, want to say it this way, Mark's like, Sunday night, Monday morning, without fail, I get a message. Without fail. Vince is an encourager. You step into something, let's do this. He's like, yes, let's do that. Let's get signs up saying Father's house on the building. Vince hanging there with somebody, getting it done, sending me photos, random photos. I have no idea what these photos mean. I wasn't picking up what he was putting down. He just sent me a photo of the garage. Hey, what do you think? Two little eyeballs. You know the little eyeball uh, emoji? Like, huh, cool garage. Vince, that's the garage opposite. What are you doing on the substation, Vince? Get off the substation. You're going to hurt yourself. Sends me two more photos. I'm like, okay, 
Did they paint the lines on the garage? I don't know. It's like, George, what is it going to take for, for me to get you to get in your car and just drive past here? That's what I'm trying to get you to do. I get past here, and there is Vince on a man lift with a friend putting up the father, painting around the signs, getting it all done, and, and, and they were enthusiastic about doing something for our community, for the Lord, for one another. Great encouragers. Can you say amen? You, that, that deserves a bigger clap, I think, like an encouraging clap. <laughs> Acts chapter 9, 27 says, But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him. And how in Damascus he preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. I mentioned this this morning. You know, Saul becomes Paul through a Damascus Road experience, blinding light. He wakes up after three days, he gets healed of his blindness and he just wants to preach. And the churches don't trust him. He was like, you persecuted the church, we don't believe you. So you know what Barnabas does? Barnabas goes and visits Saul, Paul now, and hears his testimony and spends the morning with him. And he realizes this guy's legit. And he goes to his friends and he says, I don't want to preach, but I'm telling you, you should get this guy Paul to preach. I know his story is legit. I know he's got a bad past, but let me open this door. You guys should get him to preach in your pulpit because the story he's going to tell you is going to shake the world. How nice would it be to have a Barnabas in your life that says, I don't need the light that's meant for you, but let me open the door and tell some people that God's put something in you and they should give you a chance and give you an opportunity because God is good. We all need people like that. And we may need to be people like that. Okay, number three, I'm running, running uh, late. Number three, we need teachers in our lives. We need people whose um, wisdom we respect enough to never take personally. That's, that's the best definition I can think of for somebody who teaches you something. You've got to respect their, um, their wisdom enough to not take it personally. I have a couple of those. The, uh, not many, because teachers have like a very special gift of um, bluntness, I think. I don't know if that is a gift, but they seem to have it. I'll be sitting with one of those guys I did not so long ago, very blunt. I said to them, hey, I'm, I'm thinking of expanding my little Airbnb thing into a full-on business. I think I want to maybe buy an apartment block and turn it into B&Bs or rentals. And I'm just asking your opinion. Here's the income and cash flow projections, whatever, whatever. And he just took it like I said. I took him to the fanciest restaurant in P because I thought it would make his wisdom kinder. <laughs> took him to a fanciest restaurant. We went through all the, he just, I gave it all to him. And he didn't even look at it. He just flipped it over and he said, do you think by doing this, you will, you will get the approval of your dead father? I'm like, I'm not paying for this lunch. That is rude. So, well, I think that's what you're trying to do. It's going to cost you a lot of money. You're going to fail at it and you're still not going to get the approval because the man's dead. Some of you aren't even breathing for me. You're not even breathing for me. You weren't there. I was there. We, and I made a terrible mistake. Always ask for the wisdom during dessert. 
because it's close to the end. Now I got to sit through first course. I got to sit through the mains. I got to sit through. All I wanted to do was get out of there. The sweat was running down the back. And he said, let's just have coffee as well while we're stuck. Oh, dear Lord. I need to go home and rest from this experience. I wonder, you know, churches used to be places of teaching, but now people don't handle the sweating. So now you have to have people in your life who will tell you that is not okay or this is better or that is ungodly or this is godly wisdom. And if you cut out the teachers, you're going to lose, find out rather the hard way the things that God is trying to teach you. Can you say amen? Now I know there's a certain group of people here thinking, Lord, give me the gift of being a teacher. Some of you are sharpening your knives right now. You're like, I know who should take me to lunch. I want you to know, that man had a 25-year, has had, foot in slip, has a 25-year relationship with me. We walked a long road before, so don't walk around going, you know, don't, don't walk around like an Old Testament prophet with a stick. You know, because most of them died. So, don't do that. Acts 18, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. Paul, but look what happened to Paul. Paul, the great man of faith, spoke boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila, this lovely couple, Christian couple, a man and a woman, Priscilla, the lady, Aquila, the man, heard Paul preach, they realized he didn't get the story 100% right. So they invited him to lunch at the same restaurant on the beach. They invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. Paul the preacher was getting it wrong, so he had a teacher called Priscilla and Aquila. And they said, Paul, come hang out with us. Listen, man, the way you're handling the covenant thing, it's not right. Let me, let me more accurately. And nobody credits Priscilla and Aquila. They're almost unknown. But Paul would not have been the author of half the New Testament if somebody had invited him over and said, Paul, you're missing it on a couple of things. Do you mind if we taught you more accurately the way? You can be on the way, but the way you're doing it is getting in the way. So you need somebody to get in your way to teach you the correct way. I don't think I'll ever repeat that again. That was accidental. So if you want to tweet it, just find the podcast, I think, and send it to me. Number four, I know we've got five and I'm out of time. You need a partner. I don't mean companion, a partner. A partner is a person on the same mission as you. Exodus 17, when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone, put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and her held up his hand, held up his hands, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remain steady till sunset. You know, when you're on mission, whatever your calling and mission and purpose in life is, you need somebody who understands that space and can speak into it and encourage you in it. If you're into architecture, find an, a good architect and ask to take them to supper once a year. If you're into Interior design, find a good designer and say, can I pay for a cup of coffee and just listen to you talk about your space? If you're into building God in people's lives, find somebody who does it really well and ask them if you could have 
a moment with them. Those kinds of connections are massive and they make a significant difference in your life. A partner that isn't, in biblical language, isn't meant to be seen like a marriage partner. That's a covenant. This is partnership in calling. Can you say amen to that? And it's hugely valuable. Last one, minister. You need a minister. Like, I'm amazed um, how that seems to have changed. You know, growing up, I had a pastor. I knew who my pastor was. I learned from a lot of pastors, but I had a pastor. And I'd, if I needed something, I'd, I'd make an appointment. Um, I sat under their ministry. I learned from them. And I've realized through life that you need somebody you give permission to to spiritually speak into your life. And, and you know, that's not so popular anymore or we choose like very fancy people to speak to our lives. But I want to encourage you, choose people to speak into your life who have a sound reputation, a history of faith, a solid foundation and a long journey and let them speak into your life. Be teachable and have people who speak into your life. One of the most powerful things anybody can ever say to me is when I get to know them personally is to say, Hey man, if you see anything in me, I'm giving you permission to call it out. Oh, that's, that is huge. 2 Timothy 1.17, but um, when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. The Lord granted to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. That Scripture seems random, but Timothy is this guy who came looking for Paul. Paul wrote Timothy because it's written to Timothy. So it's one Timothy, it's to Timothy, not to the person Timothy, not about Timothy. And Paul wrote it to Timothy and he said, you know this guy Timothy? He came looking for me and he sat me down and he asked me and God spoke to me and spoke into his life. Have people who minister into your life that you give permission to to speak the word of God and call out the faith of God in you. If you could devote your life to building your life well, ask the Lord to put into your life these five kinds of people. And then at the same time, ask the Lord, which one of these people will you be for somebody else? So that you are both blessed in receiving, but also blessed in giving. Can you say amen? Okay, let's stand, everybody. Let's pray. Hey, guys. So um, we just we're going to continue to build this five p.m. It was six, is five, and I've, I've teased a bit about that, but it's okay. Um, we're going to keep doing that until the third of December with this huge event, and then it's only two Sundays, and they're that sort of holiday-esque Sundays when, when, when we're closed then as Christmas Day, New Year's Eve, and then we're building back again. So don't lose heart. Um, we, we, uh, we are going to take the 5 p.m. Uh, all the way to what we believe God has for us in the service. Amen. So could we pray? Lord, thank you for teaching us how to build our lives well. Thank you for giving us the right steps today. We, um, we turn away from poorly constructed steps, shaky steps, unreliable steps, 
dangerous steps. Steps that give us fear rather than faith. And today we make the commitment, the determination, the decision to listen to your voice and choose wisely our company. Choose wisely our company. Not just who shouldn't be in it, but much more importantly, who should be in our company. And choose wisely what kind of company we are to others. Would you please build us up in that space and teach us how to do it well and wisely in Jesus' name. Hey, I did this in the morning service. So while we're in this attitude of worship, if you're here in this moment and having come to the end of the service, there is a realisation, as Jess mentioned, that something is missing. And you're trying to balance the God thing in the middle of all the other things in your life. But tonight, the realisation, God must be first. And the thing that's missing is your relationship with Jesus. And I just want to take a moment, lest the moment lapses, that if you're not right with God, or something's missing, or you've gone down a path that's wrong, and you need to reorientate your walk with the Lord, I just I want to pray with you. So if you're giving your life to God by making a confession that you will be a follower of Jesus, by putting God first, or you you're fixing what's broken so that you can walk right with God. I would like to pray with you. So with everyone's eyes closed, would you respond to that invitation if that's you and you're putting it right tonight? Would you please raise your hand long enough for me to see it? I want you to take an action and then we're going to pray a prayer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Quite a few, all, all the way to the back. Uh, what we did this morning, I'm not sure if there are any Bibles left, but we gave away free Bibles to anyone who didn't have a Bible, who put their hand up and said, I'm trying to get my life right with God, or I'm becoming a believer tonight. Either of those two. At the end of my prayer, I'm going to invite you, if you don't have a Bible, come get one, and we'll, we'll give it to you. It's, there's absolutely no strings attached. And if you're starting a journey, or you're coming back into that journey, Connect with somebody, get into a group, do something, take a step, and we'll help you support you along the way. It's a little later of an evening tonight, but I think an important start to a series. And we'll, I'll tighten it up over the next remaining few weeks, but I, I want you to stay on the journey with us. Amen. So let's pray. I'd like to invite you, if you put your hand up, to please pray this prayer after me. I'll lead it, and you can repeat it, just to help you get you going. So here goes, it goes something like this. Lord Jesus, thank you for a revelation tonight, a realization that I need you and I'm empty without you. Please forgive me for ignoring you or sinning against you, going my own way. Tonight, I make a decision to follow you and invite you to take charge I listen to your voice I say yes to your invitation Holy Spirit I don't know you well yet but please lead me and help me in Jesus name and everybody said before we pray for everyone could we just give a round of applause for those who made some kind of a crossing of the line moment
And then a final prayer to send you on your way. It's still light out. I apologize for the extra time. Forgive me. Lord Jesus, will you bless our determination to build a biblically sound life? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, everybody. Have a great night.